This episode of Wakefield Sessions as part of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Nicosi Bistro Pub, French cuisine infused with indigenous ingredients. The newest addition to the Wakefield culinary scene, located at 721 Riverside Drive in the heart of the village. Go to NicosiBistroPub.com for more. And this episode is also brought to you by Danny Sivier, chartered real estate broker with Remax. Located downtown Wakefield with over 30 years of experience, Danny Sivier, a realtor you can trust. Go to udawayhomes.com for more information. And lastly, Wakefield Sessions this week is also brought to you by Cafe 1870, located at 715 Riverside Drive. Your home away from home in the Gatineau Hills, and also home of the legendary open stage music nights every Wednesday from 9 p.m. And now, on to the show. It's Monday, September 25th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, Vox Kombucha founder, musician... An all-around cool gal, Eva Vandenberg, joins me in studio for another installment of Wakefield Sessions. That's right, we cover it all. It's a good one, and it all starts now. Welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. I learned a lot. Wakefield Sessions continues coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau Hills. Hey, hey, hey. No, give it more. Go hi, hi, hi. That's your thing. You can do it. Hi, hi, hi. Eva Vandenberg is my guest today. Eva Vandenberg from Vox Kombucha. Local. She's a local. She's... Originally from Ottawa, lived in Vancouver, Toronto, Michigan. Now owns a kombucha company here in the. So cool. So cool in and Wakefield. She's very nice. Who's that voice? That's Jen Grantington, Jennifer Grant Talonis. We usually shorten it to Grant, but the full name is Grantington. It's not. <laughs> it is. It's Jennifer Grantington. Dot com tington. Hello, one N. Don't confuse it with the other John Grant, who's very talented and awesome, but a songer. Songer? Look, look at your levels. A songer. Why? What's wrong? Well, project. Do, do oh, like, sorry. I'm not projecting enough. Do like you're on stage. I don't know what I do on stage. I don't think about it. Well, you don't go like this. You go, ah. I, I think I do, actually. I no. should give it more. I should. Give it more. No, no. Give her. This is your, look. No, this there you isn't, go. This Wait. is an analogy of my life. Give it more. Giver. Bra, bra, bra. Waste of time. Come on. So here we are. It's a very hot day. Yeah. It is a hot day. Right now it's Sunday, but this episode is coming out on Monday, which is also very hot. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Whoopsie. No, well, but it's in the future, but 
in the present or past when you're listening you to know this the, listener. The song's still on. Is that yeah. okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be like this in post, like this, this level here. Oh, okay. Whoopsie. Um, so <laughs> professional. I don't want. Um, Do you know what's playing right now? <laughs> I don't sound like that. Kind We're of. a couple and we fight. So. Um, don't tell the police, but Julian jumped off the bridge twice today. The Wakefield covered bridge jumped, no problem, easy. Didn't even look. Dove head first. No, no lies. I went feet first, and I. I screamed. will project lies. Project lies. What do well, because you, you said don't. Oh, proje- you don't project enough. I will project. I didn't know what that meant. And here we are. It's a hot day, late summer, early fall, and we're living it. We're loving it. We're doing it. Uh, What should we talk about? What do you want to cover in the monologue? Hmm. Well, you said it's going to air tomorrow, right? Well, it's airing right now on Monday. Like, I know. So sorry. (laughs) I'm not used to this whole like record now, air later thing. But No, it's recording now, airing now. Oh. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. It's Monday. Yesterday, I jumped off the bridge on Sunday. Oh. Oh, whoopsie. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's no, it's Sunday right now. Sunday night. It's late. It's uh, eight, well, not late. It's late for us. It's eight forty-seven p.m. <laughs> you know, we are Coronation Street watchers, and we get up early. Remember when we tried to get up early? We we decided to do this thing where because we used to always sleep in, and we decided we're gonna get up early. For, that it was like a New Year's. I think it was New Year's resolution. We're like, <laughs> fuck it. We're getting up five a.m. We're setting an alarm. Setting an alarm. <laughs> setting the alarm and uh, set it for 5 a.m. and snoozed until 10 a.m. for five hours <laughs> every nine minutes. <laughs> for five hours. I know. It's ridiculous. But now we get up early. Yeah. What was it's, the- I find it hard now because it's so dark in the morning. But in general, it's good to get up early. It's not for long, though. It's Did not you just be- burp? Yeah. Gross. It's not gross. Yeah, it is. No one is like, I'm going to tune into his podcast. Hope he burps in my ear. No, but if it happens, it's real. People identify no, with realness. they don't. Everybody burps. No. Everybody burps. Yeah, but everybody knows how to make it subdued. You don't have to let it rip like that. It just came out. Ugh. Wow. Hope no, no one's changing the channel, so to speak. Can't change I the know. channel. I know. It's a I download. Know. I know, but you can change your podcast. You can you go can watch. tune out. Or listen to another podcast. Yeah, but they're not. They like us. They like this show. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted Julian to tell this story. I think this is really funny. Um, we uh, have worked a lot together as comics, and we were in Calgary doing a show at a comedy club. And after the show... The whole club is empty, and Julian decides to grab the microphone that's at the sound booth in the back and does this. Go and do it right now. Something like that. So I hear that, and I'm like, oh, cool. That's a cool microphone. I thought it was the microphone that was doing it, so I tried. You and do I, it. I, I don't even know how. Okay, Try this it. is how I did it. Well, that's pretty good. It is? Yeah. Oh. Well, when I did it, it sounded weird. I'm like, oh, I think I think I broke the microphone in between. No, that's abrasive. I don't know. It did sound better on that mic. 
I think it sounds better. What? I think you sounded better just now. Like this? Mm-hmm. Like bones, shorts, and boots, and shorts, and boots, and shorts, and boots, and shorts, and boots, and shorts, and shorts, and shorts, and boots, and shorts, and boots, and shorts. Okay. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and shorts and boots and shorts and boots and shorts. So Jules and I, I know that's <laughs> riveting, but I, I'm going to change the to- topic. We've been thinking about doing a cleanse. Oh. I know. And I, I don't, I, I like the idea of a cleanse, but when it comes down to it, it's kind of that whole. I love the feeling when it's done, but to get through it sucks. Yeah. And also, like, you know how you can think theoretically, that would be a great idea. And then you go to do it and you're like, oh, this is just too much life, like, coming at you raw. Like what? Sick kitten? Just, yeah, everything. Like, we have a sick kitten right now. Yeah. Little Georgie. Anyway, no. that's gonna. I don't want to bring everybody <laughs> down. But if anybody has any suggestions, actually, would love to know because... Um, but I don't want to bring the whole audience down. I've right talked now, about it before, so it's fine. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Well, we think. Did you tell them the disease we think he has? I don't or know. Or that the P-I-V? vet suggested. PIF? FIP? FIP? I think it's FIP. It's like it's, HIV for felines. Yeah. Poor no. little guy. He's only six months old. Maybe so, he doesn't, though. We don't uh, know. Yeah, we don't know. So he just he has good days and bad days. So anyway, you good know. Good days and bad days, he's either going to live or not. Like, here's the thing it's. <laughs> so loud of a breath in my ear um but um you know you want to like you want to take on the world you want to get your shit together and then you look over and there's a sick kit and you're just like oh my god oh my god let's have a beer let's have a beer <laughs> take the edge off let's have a beer and finish this oh we should finish that bottle of wine oh my god oh no we did finish it last night because it's monday now and we're cleansing that's right. <laughs> no, we're not cleansing that soon. But at some point, I want to. I know, I, I want to too. It's a concept. Oh, it feels so good. I feel like shit a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired and skinny. I'm skinny fat. I noticed that today. We were went down, or not today, yesterday. We went to the covered bridge when I jumped off twice, easy, without looking. Pulled the 360. No, I didn't. Straight pencil dive. Pencil dive. And uh, <laughs> we took a selfie and my right peck looked like cottage cheese. <laughs> it was all wrinkly. It used to be like muscle. Not like giant, but it was toned and smooth as eggs. <laughs> and now it's... Uh, Dave Chappelle reference. Yeah. No, that's mine. I made that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That too. I made that up too. <laughs> um, but it was all uh, loose and wrinkle fest. And, and like... <laughs> really tender. I feel like if you were to take my pack and sear it in a uh, cast iron pan, it would be really tender, <laughs> and it would reduce to uh, it would render to almost nothing because it's all fat. Oh, big Sorry. yawn! This is riveting. If you're listening to this now on Monday, <laughs> hope you're having a good day. Yawning. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. It's what we had for dinner last night. It was good. <laughs> Dinner was t- good. It was really good. What else do you want to talk about? Let's let's make mm. this interesting for people so that they. Well, I mean, how much longer should we talk, anyways? We don't have to. We can just yeah, go right like, to the interview. Uh, they probably want to hear about kombucha. I'm like, uh, let's hear more about your fatty tit. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, there's somebody like 
Um, Aren't all tits fatty though? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, mostly, I I guess they're women. Fat. Tits are fat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't be sexist and call out mine. Single mine well, out just, as a fatty tit. They're all fatty. But tits. you just called yours basically a fatty cottage cheese tit. I should have said then. And but were you gonna say there's some people that what? Well, there's some people that are like really doing impressive things, like starting kombucha companies. And probably people want to hear about that. Maybe uh, kombucha is good for a fatty tit. Might be the um, like cellulite, smooth it out. Is it good for that? Maybe or push-ups, too. <laughs> a scoby. I wish I had two scobies as pecs because <laughs> they're smooth. Yeah, smooth yeah. the scoby. Smooth the scoby. Okay, let's just get right into it then. Let's. Uh, well, this is fun though. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, we live together. There's that. um okay let's get right to my interview this is a good one it's a good chat this is um uh, there i had two guests on but this is the dynamic it's hard to uh not hard to but uh, i like to focus on one person so we can go deeper because if you split it between two you just kind of float on the surface and don't really get to the nitty-gritty so i had two people here but uh and i'm gonna have the other uh guest here at uh at another time, Ryan Wiles, who's a musician, local guy around these parts, super talented. So he's going to come back in. He's also co-founder or, or, or co-owner, yeah, founder, that works too, of the uh, Vox Kombucha. And uh, so let's just get right into it. Enjoy now my chat with the one, the only, Eva Vanderberg. You and me below, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose Sing a little song Then take a shower Julian Dion Comedy Hour And yes, like I mentioned off the top this episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast Wakefield Sessions is brought to you by Wakefield's own Nicosi Bistro Pub The newest addition to the wakefield culinary scene oh man this place they hit it all they hit atmosphere they hit the service they hit the food right out of the park creative drinks authentic food and an authentic experience whether you're sitting on one of their covered bridge benches i'm telling you these people are wakefield through and through enjoying some pulled duck sliders and their woodsy atmosphere this place is very much a part of wakefield the food is both comforting and creative at the same time their nikosi poutine arguably one of the best in the area with hand-cut fries, duck confit, cheese curds, and green peppercorn gravy. I'm hungry just thinking about it, just talking about it right now. Nikosi is a restaurant that really tries to make everyone feel comfortable and welcome. Bring your kids, bring everybody. Come on down to Nikosi 721 Riverside Drive in Wakefield. And right now they're making big preparations for Thanksgiving weekend just around the corner. So call today, make some reservations, whether it's for Thanksgiving or your holiday parties. That's right, it's that time of year. You got to start thinking of Christmas and New Year's and all that good stuff. Call 819-459-3773 for reservations. Or go check out their menus at NicosiBistroPub.com. And yes, once again, this episode is brought to you by Cafe 1870. Located at 715 Riverside Drive in Wakefield. Be sure to drop by for one of their legendary Caesars. That's right, little little hair the dog action. Nobody does it better than Cafe 1870. Come on in for a full menu every day from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eat in or take out. Come take in some live music every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And of course, home of the legendary open stage every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. 
I personally have witnessed some true magic moments in that place. It's cozy, it's rustic, a little throwback. Truly one of the social cornerstones of this community. Cafe 1870 will be celebrating their 10th anniversary on November 1st. So once again, drop by, have a Caesar, have a beer, enjoy some live music. Cafe 1870, your home away from home podcast all right here we are wakefield sessions continues with my guest today oh my god i did not think we would get this thing off the ground technical issues non-stop these guys have been sitting here for 25 minutes staring at me uh blankly um i'm, I'm super excited to interview these guys today and uh well let's just get right into it they are they're first of all they're multifaceted multi-talented people but they're here representing their their uh, venture their company vox kombucha did I say that right? Yes. You said it right. I meant the Vox bar. <laughs> uh, Eva Vanderberg and uh, Ryan Wiles are here. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing the podcast. So what I'm going to do is, uh, we'll, Eva, we'll get into it, and then uh, Ryan, Ryan, like I said, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll ask you some stuff. We'll get back uh, to you in and out and uh, chime in. But we'll do. We'll have you in for a full epi one on one and. Uh, get nice and deep because this is what we do okay eva hey hey uh thanks for doing the podcast thanks for having me. uh you're the head uh, you guys run vox kombucha yeah. and this is wakefield sessions but by the way wakefield sessions for those who don't know we've got some first time listeners uh somehow i don't know how that happens but if you're a first time listener wakefield is where i live i talk about my life a lot on the podcast moved here a while back and uh, this is my way to introduce Wakefield and the funky people that live here and the, uh, the uh, specialness that is Wakefield to the rest of the world. And for locals, it's a way to get, uh, get to know you guys a little bit better. So they might know you by, you know, in passing or at the market or at the cafe. And then now when they see you walking down the street, they'd go, oh, my God, we know everything about her. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> we go deep uh and this is unedited we can edit shit out if you say that if you if you leave here and then you call me going ah, maybe i shouldn't have said i would kill the fucking president i'll take that out but for the most part we uh we like to keep it okay eva hey hey where where uh where are you from it's good to know you i am from well i was born in ottawa okay but i didn't live there long i grew up in vancouver no way, yeah. West Coast. Yeah, oh West my Coast. God, Vancouver's yeah. the best. How did you ever leave Vancouver? Every, anytime I go to Vancouver, my thought is, how does everybody not li- live here? Well, it's a beautiful city, and I miss it, and I go back to visit my family yeah. regularly. But uh, I don't know. I was a rebellious teenager. I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Classic rebellish. Yeah. Against the, uh, against the rents <laughs> basically. They're great. They're yeah. great, but you know, yeah, no, like, of course. Anti nineteen year old yeah. wanted to make it on my own. So, and yeah. ended up in Wakefield somehow, and but you know what? There's some certain uh, there's some uh, parallel elements between Vancouver and Wakefield. It's kind of like artistically supportive. It's laid back. It's kind of hippy dippy. Yeah, little, there's a lot of pot. A lot of pot. I meet a lot of people here who lived on Vancouver Island, and I have oh, yeah. a lot of roots and family on Vancouver Island. And there's similar like small creative outdoorsy yeah pot smoking communities. Yeah, in both. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. If you're if you're comfy in one, you're gonna probably be comfy in the other. For sure, it's like a micro Vancouver, <laughs> minus yeah. the uh, rampant homelessness. Yeah, not quite as much here. But yeah. plus, one of the things and that meth, 
What? Minus the meth. Minus the meth. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Uh, but um, one of the things that I like about here is the old world quality. Like you see these century old barns and there are Good point. old buildings and narrow roads and back roads named after families who actually still live on them. And Vancouver yeah. doesn't have as much of that. Yeah. Well, Quebec is, is uh, unique in that res- respect. Like there's so many, um, I mean, you, you drive around in Quebec and you find all these tiny little towns and they're early European settlements. So they're like, they're modeled after European kind of um, structure and engineering, like the cities. Whereas like where you'll have like a church, often places are built around a church yeah. and they're all like kind of compact, the little village. Like, because Wakefield's not a huge, there's not a lot of population, but everything's kind of compact, the little village. Yeah. It's like a little strip where I... I'm from a place that has like the same amount of people as Wakefield, but it's just all fields and farms and cows and stuff. But yeah, here it's all like compact. So you kind of have that little downtown feel, even yeah. though it's not really like a down, you know what I mean? Like it's downtown like a, Wakefield. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a microcosm. So people are exactly. yeah, in close quarters and doing creative things. But then there's also a lot of population who lives around the area. Right. The farmers and for sure. Backwoods. That feed folks. us. Yeah. The farmers feed us. Absolutely. What, uh, so un- what, until what age were you on the West Coast? I moved when I was 19. Okay. So you like, you went to high school there and then I after high school, high school you there. came? Yeah. I went to university in Michigan. No um, way. Yeah. Oh, wow. What'd you study there? Um, music and philosophy. And okay. Cool. Women's studies. Yeah. Um, and did you get a degree? I did. Yeah. I have a BA. So it was a, yeah, Bachelor of Arts. It was a liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. So I got to study a little bit of everything and then focus in on a few things. What the hell brings you to Michigan? What, what makes you go, oh, I know, I'll go to school in Michigan. The, oh, it's kind of a funny story. Okay, let's um, get into it. They, I applied to a number of different universities and I was going for music and I was offered scholarships and stuff. I played viola classically. Um, this university accepted me without asking for a final transcript. And the secret that I kept for a long time from my parents and from everybody in my university and everything was that I never technically graduated from high school. No way. I almost did, but not quite. And I knew that every other university was waiting for my final transcript. Wow. So I was like, well, that's my only choice. (laughs) Holy shit, that's unbelievable. There's probably like just a handful of people that have a BA or a bachelor or degree in anything and not... Not a high school diploma. That's insane. You're my first. Thank you, I've never met anybody. Like, that's amazing. No, I don't actually think I know anybody else. Just goes to show you, it's all horseshit. The whole thing, it's all just a foundation of lies. None of it matters. And being sneaky really gets you places. Yeah. Yeah, if we okay, you've heard it here. This is the end of the episode right here. We're gonna wrap it up. Just lie and you'll get shit done. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. You're no. welcome. Um the right kind of lies. That's right. Yeah, that gets you degrees. Yeah. Did you see uh, last week it was a big thing, it was like a week long thing on the C B C anytime you tuned in, it was about uh uh fake degrees. People would go online and they would buy these fake degrees for thousands and thousands of dollars, like eight grand. Oh my gosh. And there was this one guy, he was, he's like president and CEO of this company, and he's got like a bachelor's in something or whatever, but he saw online that he could get a, I don't even think he had a bachelor's degree, but he's like high school educated with, uh, you know, but somehow, you know, back then you could still work your way up and sure. he's a president and CEO of a company for years and years. And he found out online that you could 
you could um, buy a master's degree for like eight grand without studying, without exams, without anything at all. They would just review your life's work and your life experience and based on that, decide whether you qualified for it. And him, (laughs) being a president and CEO of a company, went, yeah, that's legit. This is the way things are going now. And uh, so he bought a degree for like eight grand from this place called King's University. And uh, it turns out it's it's all fake. Well, it's yeah. this company in Pakistan that was like um, frauding, defrauding oh, people from gosh. all this money. But this guy's like outraged on the news. And I'm thinking, really? You really thought you could just get a master's degree without Not anything? Not how academia works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, husband. So uh, all that to say, um, I think you could probably sell that guy uh, a degree. I, I probably could. I'm like, impressed oh, yeah, with no. your skill. You don't really need one degree to get a further degree. Yeah. I it, did it. What was it in high school? Were you just missing uh, like a credit or two? What was yeah, I was missing a few elective credits. That right. I just never finished the classes. Yeah. I was doing um, correspondence classes. This, the plot thickens, actually. I dropped out of school, kind of, but then did um, correspondence courses because I didn't want to be going to school. Um, and I just, so I was in charge of my own assignments and sending them in the mail. And there were, I did all of my academic classes and it was, um, I don't know, a, a dumb elective that I just didn't quite finish. Right. Or two. Or it was two. Yeah. <laughs> and so did people, you said like your, your parents and whatever, did they know that you didn't graduate? You, they didn't know. Or what did you, what did you do? You just were like, I graduated, congrats to me, but I don't want any fuss. Just ignore everything and I'm just going to go to university. Yeah, I finished up some of my academic classes a few weeks before I went to university. Okay. In the summer, because I was very good at procrastinating. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I used to lie to my parents a lot, <laughs> a lot. It's like so much that I believe my own stories. Right. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I finished. They're like, you did? You finished? And I was like, yep. Okay, I'm going to university now. Bye. But for the first year of university, I was terrified that they were going to be asking for You're that final find transcript. Out for sure. And as the years went by, I became less and less worried. And then I finally got my degree. And When you got your degree, were you like, I can fucking do anything I want yeah. in the world? <laughs> I own this place. Um, yeah, this is my world. Welcome yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to it, everybody. Also, at that graduation, um, at this small liberal, liberal arts college, I was really proud because... I hadn't worked hard in high school in the first year of university even. I hadn't worked very hard. And then I really pulled it together and yeah. like buckled down and got really good grades for the last couple of years. Um, so it was a real like turning point for me. I would like finished something big, which I hadn't done really before. Um, but it was also a really interesting graduation ceremony because George W. Bush was our keynote speaker. No way. Yeah. And it what year was this? 2005. Okay, yeah. shit. This was all post-garbage. Like it was everything. post-9-11. Wow. He was trying to win over the swing state of Michigan. It was a really conservative little university. Um, there were security guards and helicopters. We all had to go through metal detectors, just walk into the gym where we always went. Wow. <laughs> so it was a weird like mix of emotions that day because I was like, I hate this guy. This yeah. is awful. I did actually what all those American... Uh, athletes are doing right now i didn't stand up when he walked in i was Is like i'm right? doing my like very small unnoticeable acts of rebellion well because in 05 he wasn't president anymore he was, was president oh really was oh it? yeah when did obama come i thought that was 04 uh, I guess. no i think it was seven or 06 okay yeah no he was bush wow. was still in office cray 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 and you were upset 
And I was upset, but I was also, I was a bit annoyed because I was like, he's totally stealing our thunder. Right. You know, for me and my friends and people who were like, this is one of the biggest accomplishments of our lives. We've worked so hard. And everything was about freaking George W. Bush yeah. walking in there. Well, they have a lot of, in the States, a lot of celebrities that do commencement addresses oh, yeah. and stuff. And uh, I guess it always kind of steals the thunder. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. a tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Steal yeah. everybody's thunder. Yeah. You guys think you're having a good day, but listen to this multimillionaire and Yeah, success. we're celebrating you, but actually it's about this guy. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still blown away by you getting into university without finishing high school. I've thank never you, thank you. And your parents just never wanted to do this big grad celebration or anything like no, that when you graduated really. high school? Wow. And I just sort of avoided it, sidestepped yeah. the issue. Yeah. I have a friend that lied to her parents about graduating, uh, like getting her degree. Mm-hmm. She was going to university in Toronto and just not going to classes and bartending, bartending and whatever on the side. And then uh, when it was like April or May when she's supposed to graduate, her parents was like, so how's it going in school? And she had dropped out like a while ago. Oh, and she's no. like, oh yeah, I'm done. They're like, oh my God, you graduated? She's like, yep. They're like, oh my God, that's hum- <laughs> like that's crazy. You have a degree now and whatever. It's like, yep, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. And, and uh, eventually she uh, fessed up. I mean, she, and then in, in turn ended up finishing her degree, but she's like, yeah, I don't, I haven't graduated. But her thing was she would be high all the time. So she was like, you know, when you're super high all the time, all day, every day. And I know from experience, you kind of live in this alternate reality where you're like, I can get away with anything. Sure, yeah. Which you did. Well, it's amazing <laughs> what you can get away with yeah. for a really long time. Right. Oh, my God. Whether you're funny. high or you're just lying or just <laughs> like whatever it is. But it's like you said, sometimes when you are really good at it, you just believe your own lies. Yeah. You could almost pass a lie detector test. I feel like yeah. some people have that skill. I don't have it anymore. After a while, I was like, I need to be a better person than this. And like, yeah. <laughs> I try to be a lot more truthful and right. I generally am now. But yeah, back then I was like, oh, I could, I could say anything. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. And it is kind of weirdly empowering, not a recommendation really, but like to try out just saying anything. Oh, people believe it. I I'm going to try another thing. <laughs> well, that's how compulsive liars start. I yeah. mean, I have a friend who lies all the time about everything. And, um, and I was kind of not a compulsive liar, but I was, I would say these white lies for no reason sometimes, mm-hmm. just like stuff that I would think I'd maybe get into trouble or whatever. And I just constantly, and that becomes exhausting. Yeah. And then I find there's power into just being honest and open. Well, and now I found there's much greater power. In Way that. greater. Way greater power. You go, fuck, I'll just be myself and be yeah. fully honest. And then there's, no, because when you say something and you're honest, it ends there. It's just, but if you say a white lie or a lie or whatever, it doesn't end there. Then you have to constantly just. You have to you keep know, track of it. Track of it. Yeah. All this energy going into, then you lie about other lies and lies and lies. And it's just like, then when you it's realize exhausting. it's so, it's exa- so like I'm exhausting just thinking yeah. about it. But then you go, I'll just be honest and open about everything. And fuck whoever likes it, likes it, whoever doesn't, who gives a shit. Yeah. And there's so much power in that. Yeah, I like it. I like this version of life <laughs> way better than that one. But yeah. it was kind of a funny ride at the time. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> sure. And honestly, it's ma- it makes a fucking awesome story. I mean, that's great. You, Which part you. of Michigan was it in? In Grand Rapids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. GR. GR. Have you been? No, I just made that. I just... People say that. Oh, do they yeah, really? No way. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, yeah, I would fit right. I would there. fit right in. Yeah, 
You know the lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to abbreviate yeah. two words. <laughs> <laughs> and so you graduated there. And then for, did you ever go back to Vancouver after that to live? Or mm-hmm. you, from there you came to Ottawa? Um, from there I actually moved to Toronto. Oh, okay. No way. How yeah. long? I lived there for seven or eight years. Wow. Whereabouts in Toronto? Um, all on the east side. I lived in Cabbage Town for a while. Okay. And then north of Leslieville in a neighborhood that kind of now has a name. It's Well, it was by um, Little India. Right. It's kind of a, Leslieville is awesome. Yeah, Leslieville is amazing. Great fucking hood. Yeah, really beautiful. So always on the east side. Yeah, I, I rarely went west of the Don Valley. I okay. felt like that was my my little. Yeah, I mean you can yeah. streetcar zip right downtown oh, yeah. easily. Easy peasy. I lived in the annex at Dupont oh, Davenport. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great neighborhood. It was too. fun. It was fun. Toronto's a fun town. Yeah, it's I really good liked it because there's anything you ever want to do ever you can do it. If you want the best. Portuguese food at 4 a.m. You can get it mm-hmm. if you want to see whichever band. Like, you know, there's just... Every, there's so many opportunities. Yeah. But one of the reasons I left was the thing I couldn't do was get to nature in any kind of That's easy way. That's just it. I was like, I know that if I want to get to a piece of land where it's actual earth, yeah, not a covered over landfill or a manufactured park or anything like that, I'm going to have to sit in traffic for three hours northeast or... West, direction, yeah. or else it's the lake and i i after a number of years that i felt claustrophobic for sure and, and that's because you grew up in vancouver yeah i guess so because i find the people because i'm the same i grew up in the woods in new brunswick and uh i was the same way i had to get out thankfully we've been coming here to wakefield for six or seven years when okay. my mother-in-law was living here but um I just, you have to connect to, with nature at some point. And mm-hmm. I find the people that don't have to grew up in Toronto. They're born yeah. and raised and they're fine. Yeah. And they love it and they could care less about nature or whatever. Not that they could care less, but I mean, they don't have that yearning that, like, to... craving yeah. to go just be in some place that isn't For sure. somehow, yeah. yeah. What were you doing in Toronto? I was living... Um, I went to grad school just for a year and then I decided it wasn't really for me. And I, I was... Uh, married at the time no way uh-huh and i worked some odd jobs while my husband at the time was going to grad school and then had two babies you have two kids i have two kids oh, what the fuck you don't look old enough to have ever been married <laughs> or have two kids i have a lot of life <laughs> that's crazy me. yeah yeah i have two daughters you look like you're 24 years old i will take that thank you i'm 36 wow yeah. oh wait. i was cool. i didn't know if i could ask yes. or whatever but uh oh, all good i I mean, you probably lowballed that guess, but no, honestly, <laughs> Ryan, how old are you? I'm 23. Okay, see, we're that, 13 years apart. Right, so, but I put you guys in the same. I wouldn't, I have, I wouldn't have known any difference. I would have thought that's why earlier I thought I thought, earlier you did kind of briefly mention your kids, mm-hmm. and uh, but I thought. I thought it was a typo. <laughs> I said that back. Oh, she's probably just yeah lying like her degree <laughs> like her high like school diploma going back into lying mode again hey <laughs> yeah. uh okay wow that's yeah. that's interesting you were married had two kids where mm-hmm. are the kids now right now they're with their dad we share custody and is he are they He's local? local yep okay yeah. oh that's so good close by um yeah they go back and forth and we have a pretty nice agreement oh, and good. arrangement and so you were in toronto and you got married and had two kids in toronto i got married actually when i still lived in michigan okay yeah. wow and then moved we moved together to toronto and lived there, yeah, for like eight-ish years. Had two kids while yeah. we were there, who are now almost seven and almost ten. That's fucked. Again, <laughs> I thought like when I met you. I mean, I've seen you around, but when yeah. I met you at the cafe on, on Wednesday. Wednesday, I thought in my head, yeah, 
23 24 whatever like I love nothing it. you can keep saying stuff like that all right <laughs> um, um wow that's amazing and sorry what was what, what was it you were doing in toronto uh living and working and then right. being just like a stay-at-home mom for a long time got it okay yeah. and then did you split up when you were still in toronto and then you no. moved or you left you all left the whole fam we all left um to move to wakefield about four and a half years ago getting close to five years ago yeah um, Wait, which which part was it? When was Ottawa? That was just when I was born. Oh, all right. I was Sorry. a wee baby. <laughs> See, sometimes I pay attention. I do pay attention, but sometimes I just all these facts how, go in my how head. How are you supposed I, to memorize yeah, the chronology right. that quickly? Okay, so yeah, Ottawa initially, Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan, yeah. Toronto. Then how do you? But how do you decide on Wakefield? It's such a rando. It's so rando, and I'd never <laughs> such a rando decision. Um, I had a really good friend who lived across the road from me in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, Allison Welburn, who grew up here and moved back here. We became really close friends. Our babies were the same age. We were like Matt Lee, mama partners in crime, hung out all the time, became very close. And then she moved back here. Um, and so I started coming to visit her. And my uh, husband at the time and I had been talking about moving out of Toronto and yeah, doing this sort of n- more nature kind of life. But not just moving to small town Ontario, um, wanting to have access to a big city or big-ish, like yeah. Ottawa is, was important, you know. Where's he from originally? Uh, he grew up in the Niagara area. Okay. He moved around a lot. Uh, although he lived in Renfrew for a while, so he's, okay. which is close by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Wakefield being so close to Ottawa. So and you, you know, had been here a couple times. Been here a couple times. The first time I came, I fell in love. Yeah. And I was like, this is my perfect mash of things. It has, like, I was talking about earlier, the, like, old buildings in this rich artistic community beautiful nature really close to ottawa it just seemed like a dream it and, really is yeah yeah and i had my one really good friend who lived here so i was like okay i know and in toronto i had learned a lot about um building my own community mm-hmm. kind of and seeking out i was like i i'd learned enough lessons just from living there that i knew i could relocate anywhere and with time like find my people and be able to create a world around me and for my kids and whatnot so yeah we moved here uh yeah almost five years ago well yeah i mean and that's what a city like toronto does it does force you to kind of fend for yourself and build your own community because if you don't you'll just be alone indefinitely it's not like one of those places where if you just kind of do your thing and skate through life you'll uh, find you have to like actively seek out connections and build like you said a community or whatever oh yeah it's yeah, it's crazy in a big city. You think I'm surrounded by people. Of course, I'll just sort of find them. Can and be the loneliest. You can be yeah, exactly. Place so on lonely, Earth. so lonely, surrounded by thousands of people within yeah. a square block or two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to know what you're doing and put yourself out there and try to sort of foster connections that you do find, and they might not all work, but. But that's the beauty of too. Also, if they don't work, who gives a shit? You'll never see that person again. There's so much anonymity, and it's like, yeah. Well, fuck it. I'm just not gonna walk down that block anymore. Uh, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and you're a musician, also, right? Yes, I am. You said you played the. I play. Well, I was classically trained growing up. I played violin and viola, and. Um, What's viola? viola? Smaller violin. It's a big. It's a bigger one. A bigger one. Okay. It's sort of the alto version, and violin is the soprano. Got it. Cello is the tenor, bass is the bass. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, Slightly bigger. And how'd you get into that? Oh, my family's really, really musical. My mom's a composer. No way. Yeah, and I have three siblings, and we all were raised taking lessons, sometimes 
fighting and screaming and not wanting to, but it was that was not an option in our house. What age did you start playing? What age? I started playing violin when I was five. Wow. Were you putting lessons and did you right away love it? No. Um, Well, I liked it on and off. My older sister played violin and I just wanted to do whatever she did. Yeah. Um, So I, I think for the first number of years, I just sort of did it and I didn't think, do I love this or not? Um, After when I was, I don't know, about eight to 12, I really didn't like it for a while. And it was partly because... I had to practice for half an hour a day, no matter what, rain or shine. If my friend had a birthday party, my parents would pick me up, make me practice, take me back. And I hated like the social missing out on things. Um, But then, yeah, 12, 13, I switched to playing viola, which was subtle, but it was a much better fit for me. Right. And I had a viola teacher who was a woman who had just moved from the Ukraine and spoke about three words of English and was amazing and just intense and fiery and she used to yell at me i'd play one note for an hour and cry and (laughs) it sounds like it was hell and it was for a while but she was so passionate and brilliant that she became one of my favorite people is that right yeah and so we developed this bond and she was like no ivechka she always called me ivechka (sighs) she's like viola is better for you you have to switch to viola it speaks to your soul i can see your soul and this is what you need to do so she helped me sort of develop a passion yeah. and then I got more into it. Yeah, no matter how hard they are, it's hard to not uh, connect with someone so passionate about oh, yeah. anything. And you would practice and hate it at first mm-hmm. and then you kind of... And practicing violin or viola, it's not something you can lie about like a diploma. It's like your I parents tried. will know. Oh, did you? Oh, I tried. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a story I tell my kids about one day I was supposed to be practicing. At that point, I was a bit older. So I was supposed to practice for half an hour before school and half an hour after school every day. Um, and I would lie about my morning practice and it would be in my bedroom. I had my own room and a music stand and my instrument. And my dad came up, he was like, you haven't practiced. I haven't heard you practice. And I was like, okay, I'm about to. And he would come up a few minutes later. And I don't know this, this one morning I absolutely didn't practice. Absolutely insisted that I had. And he stood outside my door listening and he was like, I know you didn't practice. And I was like, yes, I did. I was playing, um, (laughs) Silent finger exercises that you couldn't hear. Just total bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, that's where it all started. <laughs> so many lies. And I went to school. I was in grade six. And the morning started. And then there was a knock on the classroom door. And it was to the outside. And my dad was standing there, like, livid. And he pulled me out of the class. And he was like, I know you didn't practice. And I was all shaken up. And I was like, you came to school to yell at me? You came to school just to yell at me. Wow. Anyways, I think I still insisted that I had, and yeah. it blew over. But again, oh, you yeah. believe your own, you start believing your yeah, own. Yeah, I was like, "How dare you accuse me of lying?" I, I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yes, lots of practicing, yeah. but eventually I came to really love it, and I've been playing a lot since. And uh, professionally, at, uh, on any level, or um, no? Well, I don't know what you count as professional. Now I play for gigs. I do. Yeah, I've I'm in a couple different bands, kind of on and off. Cool. And gig around and sometimes it's for money did you did you your first time playing in wakefield what was that like where was that um the first time i played in wakefield was actually at open stage at cafe right um how many years ago about four years ago louis louis was uh still there louis rompre was not there it was luther wright okay um he was awesome yeah he's um, awesome wonderful mm-hmm. um but I didn't really know him then. It was actually my first time at Open Stage. And I was playing with uh, an amazing woman, Martha Cooper, who 
we had kids the same age and she was like, Oh, you play music. She plays clawhammer banjo and does old timey stuff. And she was like, come play with me and we'll sing together and we'll do some stuff. And that was one of my first introductions to more the folk side of things. Cause I was raised so classically. Right. But I loved it. And we had, uh, a little band. Um, yeah. And she was like, let's do open stage. And I was like, that's so scary. But one of the things that drew me to Wakefield was like, was the musical community and the support that people just show oh my gosh which i thought well that's for the people who are really musicians i'm just kind of like hanging out yeah but that helps i don't break me in a little bit for sure yeah being classically trained uh um does that i imagine and i'm this is ignorant because i don't know but i imagine that that gives you an edge it i i this is why i pictured if you're classically trained musically in anything you can almost do anything after that couldn't you like jamming or whatever because you know how to read music you know how to do it all you know kind of like the more than the fundamentals you you studied it yeah yeah in some ways it really does and i can understand yeah chord structure and rhythm and modulating keys and i can pick up like a lot of folk music the harmonies are really really simple and so i can play along to any folk song not any but like many many folk songs right. very quickly Can you just jump in if someone's jamming or whatever? Can yeah. you just kind of start and just go? That I can do for oh, sure. Man. But the challenge for me is matching the style because I don't play. I now play some East Coast music, but I don't really play it in the East Coast style. Right. Because they're totally different just styles of playing little things you do with your fingers. I have a classical bow hold, but that doesn't necessarily lend. So a lot of what I've been doing is trying to unlearn some of what was regular rigorously drilled into me um, without losing it, but like be able to turn that off and do a bit more of a relaxed folky thing instead of being like, I'm this uptight classical right, musician right, right. in any context. I've been working on my flexibility and being able to adapt. A little looser, a little just yeah. kind of open to things. and Yeah. And when people are like, let's just jam at the beginning, I'd be like, I don't know what to play because I don't have my sheet music in front of me because that's, Is that right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could always sort of play along single notes to the chords, but it, being able to improvise in ways that were more inspired and more creative has been something I've worked on learning Yeah. over the net blast. Yeah. Do you think a big part of that is also just confidence in your ability? Because obviously you've always been able to do it, but mm -hmm. it's just like oh, 100%. dialing in and just doing it. Yeah, yeah. I came into the scene really, really shy. And like I, I recognize when people are really talented and in Wakefield, people are really talented really talented, really talented. Yeah. so i kind of came in starry-eyed like these people are amazing i don't know if i can ever like hold a candle to them um and i probably can't but at least but nobody cares right. you know you, i mean people just appreciate when people when i bring something for sure and when i try and let loose and also um being a bit of a i don't know i'm hard on myself and can be a bit of a perfectionist so if i don't do a really tidy job sometimes i beat myself up about it but trying to be like oh fuck it it doesn't matter yeah i'm just gonna mess around sometimes and let yeah imperfection and, is perfection yeah i feel like every classically trained musician is hard on themselves every time i hear someone classically trained i picture whiplash mm -hmm. i picture like the the hard-ass teacher and just like crying and playing and just crying and playing until then you you get good at it yeah and i i mean i really do value um discipline mm -hmm. in learning an art and or in learning a craft or whatever it is having a good work ethic and doing some of the like nitty-gritty back-end work 
whether or not you use it later, I think it's good for you. And I think it's good to get in depth right. in learning things. But it's also really valuable to know when to be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Were what? you playing when you were in Toronto and stuff? Like a uh, little yeah. bit. I was. I played in a community orchestra for a while. Okay. Um, but not as much. I actually taught music a lot there. I was teaching violin lessons and ran a little music school for mm-hmm. babies and toddlers because I had babies and toddlers and it made sense. But I wasn't doing... That was sort of like simply strumming on a ukulele. It wasn't so much like making music or writing songs or right. performing things that were challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So Did you ever think that that would be what you would do forever? Oh, that's a good question. No. Um, when I first started university, I thought maybe I would try my hand at being a, a performer in an orchestra and doing that. Um, but I didn't really like the idea of the lifestyle, which is a lot of evenings and weekends and a lot of on and off work pays awful competitions high. So, and you have to practice your ass off all the time. So the lifestyle didn't really appeal. Maybe I was a bit lazy too, but also I've always had, um, a lot of different interests and the idea of pouring myself so deeply into one vocation because you have to when it comes to something you have like music. To. Yeah. If you're going to succeed at something like that in the classical world, you really have to make that your main focus. And I didn't want to let go of all of the other things I was vaguely interested in. And that has worked out pretty well, actually. So what were you doing when you moved here four and a half years ago? What were you doing for work? Uh, I was teaching music classes a little bit, um, but I didn't really have a job. My kids were still pretty young, mm-hmm. so I was sort of parenting and then... Um, after a couple months of kind of rattling around the house and not knowing very many people, I, um, sought out, uh, Juniper Farm actually, um, where I actually work to this day. Okay. No yeah. Way. Um, and they have a work share program where you can go and get sort of half price veggies and go work a partial day each week. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a while to fill my time, um, which later on turned into a real job and now has turned into... Uh, most of my time and like uh my yeah my main occupation let's get to that let's get to to vox kombucha how do first of all let's explain the concept of kombucha it's a it's a fermentation from uh sweetened black tea right sweetened tea it doesn't have to be black okay isn't it called something different if it's like green tea or something no it's called something different if you use a different sweetener like you can make it with honey instead of sugar and it's called um jun but if you make it with any tea and sugar it's kombucha. It's kombucha. Right. Yeah. And w- uh, tell me about the first time you ever tried it or had it and thought, this is unbelievable. Because I'll tell you the first time I had it, I was into kefir, making kefir oh, yeah. and stuff, and, uh, which I love, mm-hmm. and um, which is also awesome. And then we made uh, kombucha. We made it with the scoby and yeah. everything. And uh, I find no matter how you're feeling, like on the shit side of things, mm-hmm. whether you're bloated, nauseous, um, heartburn, you have kombucha mm-hmm. and almost instantly you feel so much better. Yeah, it's an amazing kind of tonic. It is. Did you have some sort of experience like that when you first were introduced to it? Like when did you first learn about it? I first learned about it when I was living in Toronto. I think I was pregnant with my second daughter, but it might have been before then. Um, and my best friend in Toronto, one of my or longtime close friends, uh, 
named Deborah, who's an amazing creative person, was making kombucha. And she was like, come over. I'm going to show you how to make kombucha. And then she showed me, walked me through it, taught me how. I hadn't even read about it on the internet or anything. It was my first experience. And gave me a SCOBY. Um, and I took it home. And I made a few batches. But I was also... And I loved it, actually. And it went pretty well. I got kind of distracted after a while because babies are demanding and <laughs> <laughs> lots of other life uh, was going on but I kind of made it on and off for a few years and then didn't do it for a number of years and then a couple I think th- was it three years ago um after I'd moved here I was like I need to get back into that I love I love all things fermented my main role actually at Juniper Farm is operating the fermentation business at is that right? there yeah um what do you mean by all things fermented? What what does that in- oh, involve? Oh, there's a whole world. Really? Oh my gosh! There's fermented vegetables like sauerkraut, mm-hmm. um, which I make and sell as well um, through the farm. Um, there's a whole world of like kimchi and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, kimchi. Um, man, you can ferment anything. I don't yeah. even know where to start. Sourdough is fermented. Um, I've made tempeh. That's fermented. Tempeh's, uh, tempeh. Oh, I didn't yeah. Know that through an inoculation of spores so it's a healthy mold not right. it's not lacto fermentation it's not the same as co- uh, scoby fermenting it's not the same but there are lots of different versions though and everything about it i'm really interested in and this is just some hands-on stuff like you didn't necessarily have uh you didn't necessarily um uh, uh get a education in no. it or anything like that no, it's the thing I... Did you lie about getting an education <laughs> in <laughs> I was. This is the post-lying phase yeah, of my life. Yeah. <laughs> this is honesty phase. Uh, no, yeah. I, yeah, it's all hands-on. I've always been really passionate about food. Yeah. Um, never studied it formally, which is weird because it's what I spend the vast majority of my time on now because I love it. Um, but yeah, it's it was hands-on sort of doing it myself. I I mean, even back in my high school days, I would read cookbooks just for fun and watch cooking shows over anything else. And I just love learning about like food anthropology, historic ways of preserving foods, you know, the farm to table connection, local food systems, food security, cooking, uh, you name it mm-hmm. when it comes to food and like good food. I am very, very interested. Are you vegetarian? I'm not. I was vegan for a really long time. Is that right? Yeah. Until I actually, I was partly vegan in, uh, when I lived in Toronto because it was really hard to get my hands on ethically raised anything. Right. And I was on a very tight budget. So I was like, okay, I'm just not going to touch animal stuff. I'm just going to eat my rice and beans and vegetables and not worry about it. But when I moved out here, all of a sudden it became a lot easier to get, you know, happy chicken and ethically raised animal products and eggs and whatever. So I'm not, I don't eat a ton of animal stuff, but... But when you do, it's good stuff. But it's grass-fed, yeah. you know, local stuff. It's not factory farmed. Yeah. Horseshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally well, horseshit. Well, there's nothing wrong with horseshit. It's probably in all of our meats. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then, so how do you go from from being passionate about food and mm-hmm. passionate about uh, fermented foods to making it a, a company, a business? Well, it was partly... Um, and thanks to the the position that I kind of ended up landing in at Juniper Farm, because um, I started there as sort of a odd jobs person. Um, my kids were sort of at the stage where they were ready to go to daycare and stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get back into the sort of formal workforce. Um, and they have had this sauerkraut business for a long time. And I took over and helped 
with them build it into something much bigger. And I had made, like I said, I'd made kombucha and I'd made sauerkraut and a few other fermented things. But um, I got to do it in a much more in-depth way and also learn how the business of selling it works. And I've also, like I had run another business before. I like the idea of doing my own thing. Yeah. I kind of like, the, yeah, the the notion of being my own boss. Oh, for sure, yeah. I know that that comes with a lot because I've done it. But, um, yeah, having a DIY thing and sort of doing, you know, cutting up things on your kitchen table to sell, I like so much better than the idea of, working for a business that's yeah. a big a big corporation and you're obviously like uh, self-motivated if you're able to do courses like by correspondence that's that's a whole thing i mean it's i didn't do the best at it but yeah well still just to do <laughs> yeah. it at all i mean yeah. i could never honestly to this day if i was taking an online class or something that was by correspondence i had to send shit in mm-hmm. i would just uh just not do it I would like, I'd do this, I'd try to pull out, I'd send like an empty empty envelope and be like, oh, whoops, I never added the thing. You know how you send oh. an empty email with no attachment? I'd oh, try no. that physically. I'd be yeah. like, oh, whoops, I didn't put that in before I sealed like, the envelope? Oh, oh that's my God. so weird. Weird. I have, <laughs> oh my God, come to think of it, I'm looking at it right now. Let me pop that in the mail. Give me another four yeah. to seven business days. It'll be on your. Yeah. Oh, weird. There must have been a problem at the post office. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It was returned to my house. It's in my hands yeah. again. Oh yeah. Never did it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, because I'm also self-employed yeah. and I struggle with, that's the thing is the self-motivation. Yep. It's tough. It's the it's double really edge Procrastination yeah. and all that garbage. Yeah, it's really tricky. But I, I've gotten better at it as yeah. I get older. And oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, when I get on a project, I'm pretty fiercely determined. Right. And I, I love owning things and being the boss of things and being able to make decisions and if they work out, great. And if not, oh, well. Yeah. So how long has Vox been a been a business? Um, not quite a year. Is that right? So it's new. Yeah, it's new. Why um, why Vox? The name itself? Yeah. Well, um Ryan and I had a big brainstorming session because we had a number of criteria that we wanted to meet. We wanted it to be short and snappy because we're thinking about like branding and mm-hmm. you know, having a kind of something appealing. Um we wanted it to be bilingual or neither lingual. Because we're oh, in Quebec. that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. Vox is, yeah, neither. Yeah, we didn't want like a long wordy name that had to have a second long wordy name in translation. We want it to be simple. Um, and we wanted to have some connection to who we are. And Vox is Latin for voice. And we're both musicians. We were trying to tie it in somehow to the other side of our lives. Right. Um, so we went out for Ethiopian food in Ottawa one night, and we we're like, we're just going to talk about names, and we brainstormed, and it came up. Brian, yeah, I suggested it. Yeah, um, you came up with Vox. Yeah, yeah, I came up with it, and I was a little concerned because there's like Vox, the amp company, right? And like Vox Media, Vox Media, but it's like it's a completely different product. So I don't know. Also the the letters are they're all symmetrical they're all symmetrical so, oh, yeah. so from a design oh, perspective yeah we both like design and the way things look and aesthetics as well and you so guys have no background in marketing you guys just figured all this shit out on your own kind of i uh one of the things i did along my way when my when i was having babies was take a program in publishing yeah um so i did some design and marketing classes in in relation to publishing but it it's pretty applicable across more areas than just that. For sure, yeah. So a little background in that. 
But so that, but how do you go from just like being passionate about it to we're going to sell this and how do you even start? How do I mean, there must be so many regulations as far as the containers you sell it in and mm-hmm. how to sterilize it and how like uh, all these, uh, this code, like how do you, how do you get into all that? Um, well, and this is where my experience with basically doing the equivalent project, but for a different product with sauerkraut was very, very handy. Um, yeah, we had to find bottles. Um, we get them from this big bottle distribution service in Montreal. We put, we got them mostly because they look cool. Did you go to like, <laughs> did you go for like Moroccan food and go, we're only going to talk about containers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Different <laughs> yeah. international meal for every item. Yeah. We would have spent so much money on food. Actually we do. That's probably the biggest we thing. <laughs> we were like, we should uh, definitely not eat out so much, but we love food. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, we spend a lot. We spend a lot of time online looking through bottle catalogs and looking through like logo design inspiration and looking, th- coming up with our whole visual image. Um, and it was over the course of a few months that we kind of nailed down a few things. I also do graphic design, so I did the labels. Amazing. Um, and well, actually, Ryan sketched out with pen in this little notebook, sketch out an idea of what he wanted the labels to look like. And yeah, so. I, I don't do graphic design. So <laughs> I kind of just said something like this maybe. Uh, yeah. And, and it turned into our look. Yeah. yeah oh, it, was, it was collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you mass produce, um, um, kombucha? Do you, is it like one pool size SCOBY or do you have like a bunch of different, I just picture like this giant, like above ground pool with like a perfect SCOBY in there. <laughs> That'd just be like, so cool. Well, <laughs> just, some people Cause it, do. it grows forever, right? It just, yeah. Yeah. It'll keep producing and reproducing right now. We don't, we're not at that scale yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of a, in the next year goal of having a giant, one giant, like 400 liter vat eventually. But right now we just, we have, um, tons and tons of two gallon containers each is a small batch okay which is kind of a craft way of doing it are it's, you doing that from home yeah we're doing it from home cool. yeah our uh well i bought a house a year ago and mm-hmm. had a lot of it renovated um it needed all the work and so and we had already sort of started the ball rolling on this company so the idea was well if i'm renovating the kitchen may as well make it into a commercial kitchen no way yeah oh, cool yeah, so we do it through our home. We're yeah, we've got the the right paperwork and whatever. We're yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're your above zone board. <laughs> yeah, we're above board on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a lot of trial and error with figuring out systems because yeah, it is very different than making yourself a batch for your family. For sure. Um, and then you have flavors and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, we have three different flavors regularly, and then we have. I love playing with recipes, so yeah. we, we've been getting stuff from farmer's market or we sell every week at the Wakefield market. Um, is that year round the Wakefield market? It's not year round. It'll, it stops, uh, I think October 22nd. Okay. The one of the last weekends of October. Right. Yeah. So we're coming to the end soon. And what flavors do you have? Our three main flavors are, um, elderberry, raspberry, and apple ginger. And, um, in order to sort of incorporate my kids, um, the elderberry is called Eleanor's Electrifying Elderberry, named after Eleanor, my older daughter. Mm-hmm. And the raspberry is called Rosalie's Razzmatazz Raspberry. That's awesome. <laughs> and then Apple Ginger doesn't get a fun name. It's just called Amazing Apple Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah. Amazing. It's I thought ama- it was I mean, just going to be Apple Ginger. At AG. least it's amazing. We like alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay, cool. So right now you're doing the market thing mm-hmm. and um, 
can people so where can people find you they can find us in uh, most of the grocery stores around Wakefield. So General Store, Wakefield Express, Piplinka, Juniper Farm, Community Center, uh, the Depenar Bunner. And we've just started expanding expanding like regionally. We're mm-hmm. going we're in Chelsea, we're at Le Fougere, um, and the Farm Point IGA at the Fresh Mart in Chelsea, IGA in Gatineau on Crebert, and we just this uh, two days ago Went and stopped by the IGA in um, Cantley, and they're going to take it Yeah, that it new too. IGA. It's that's the same people as the one the in same, Farpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the Famille Charles IGA. Right. They have three locations, and we're in all of them right now. How do you, who does the sales? How do you approach that? Do you just go there with a bottle and go try this, and you want this? Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've gone together. I do mo- a bit more of the talking. Um but yeah, we put together sort of a sales package telling with all the information that they want. Because not know. everybody knows what the hell Not everybody kombucha knows is. what it is, no. A lot of, actually, it's been really cool um, at market, just speaking of not everybody knowing, it's been really nice uh, just having lots of conversations with people who are like, what is this? Educating people. And educating and engaging. Yeah, because some people have sort of heard of it, but they don't really know what it is. Some people are, have heard of it and they're like, that sounds awful yeah. and disgusting. And I love trying to get people to just try it. Yeah. Like, just, just it try it. it tastes good. It tastes like it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not for everybody, but right. um, some people are like, nope, not for me. I'm like, okay, that's fine then. But it is a growing market, too. So from the business perspective, it's cool to be doing something that the market isn't tapped out. It's not like selling potato chips where, like, you know, right. if you're going to buy them, you're going to buy them. And it's more like buyer brand. But with kombucha... There are only a couple other small companies around the Ottawa area, and I don't feel competitive with them because we're all working to expand the market, and more people are buying kombucha all the time. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. That's very big of you. <laughs> and <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and but it's funny; it's one of those things that's like a, it's like an ancient thing, but like new now, coming mm. back, and people don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of trendy. There's a lot of that happening. Which is cool, partly because like there are a lot of the, you know, the hippies who've been making it at home and drinking it for, you know, years. But then there's also this sort of uh, hipster scene too, where it's not even necessarily about like doing it yourself. It's not necessarily about, you know, I sprout my own food in the kitchen. It's like, I want to go buy that cool drink. I know it's good for me and it's also pretty cool, which it's really, (laughs) it's great. There are tons of different people who are into it. That's awesome. And it's so multifaceted. It's like sports recovery drink. It's good for energy. It's good for like hangovers. It's a good. Yeah, it's just good. It's just good. There's good so mixer. many. It's a good mixer. Oh, yeah. It's an, Yeah, it's amazing with like gin. I was just going to say gin. We were just yeah. there. Oh or like, uh, yeah, sparkling wine. That must help for the hangover. It actually yeah, does. It yeah. actually does. Yeah. Huh. kind of nice. I wonder what the science behind that is. Well, it's really hydrating. Is it, it really? Ha- oh yeah, and oh. it has a lot of. Um, you think it wouldn't be because it comes from tea, and tea is dehydrating, isn't it? Caffeine can be dehydrating, Caffeine, but it depends how right. strong you make it. We use green tea, okay, um, and we make it almost as light as we can. So it, the the tea really feeds the kombucha culture. It feeds the scoby, but we don't want it to be an overwhelming tea flavor. Right, we were trying to make it like light and easy to drink, and still really nutritious. Um, so you can make it with a really heavy, strong taste and, you know, steep the tea for a long time and have a fairly high caffeine content. We go on the other side of things. Actually, partly, 
because it makes it prettier to, and we can, you know, we can flavor it with our different flavors, but they also have a color and we want it to be really visually appealing as well. Right. So it still has all the benefits, but without being a very heavy drink. But then that also means it doesn't have quite as much caffeine. Right. Do you add it? Do you add anything to it to make the color consistent through the batches or it's just, that's the part of it is it's natural. So it might not be all consistent. Yeah. It's not always exactly the same. Like right. we follow the same recipes, but we do use real whole foods. Um, so, you know, raspberries might not be the same color every single time. Um, yeah, there's slight variation, right. which beets. is okay. Beets. Yeah. We use beet partly to color, to add color to the elderberry bottle because elderberries, when they're cooked, they're kind of brownish. Um, they're actually amazing as medicine on their own, but we, we throw in a beet, a little bit of beet to, uh, make it a bit more purple, but yeah, different beets have different color intensity so yeah for sure there's there's fluctuation but then also people know they're getting like a handmade craft product it's not it's not a factory produced thing and that's part of the joy that's right that is were you always passionate about it ryan like how, how did you come about did, did uh eva introduce you to it yeah eva introduced me to it uh i don't know about like six months into when mm-hmm. we started dating mm-hmm. and um yeah, and she's the first one I had, I think, was Rise, which is the big company. And um, yeah, and I was like, this is really weird, and I like, I kind of <laughs> like it. And I was like, she was like, let yeah. me throw some gin in here. Yeah, now I really <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, and then soon after that, I was like, oh, Eva was like, I I make this some sometimes. So and then she started making it. She got a scoby, started making it. And I was like, this is really really good, and. Uh, yeah, and then I was kind of just looking at like the market and how how everything was going, and it just kind of like I saw the price point, and I was like, we should try to sell this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, then we kind of just went from there. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, Vox kombucha is a thing. Kind of at first, when he was like, "Let's start a small business together," I was like, "Absolutely not! <laughs> you have no idea how much work a small business yeah. is. It's so hard on relationships." I know the, the name is like cute, like small business. Let's yeah. just drive, but it's you have to put everything in. You're it. You're still yeah. investing all of your time. Oh, DNA. everything! Oh, for like sure, all of your money, all of your whatever. But he he wore me down. I don't know if he regrets that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, d- I don't definitely don't regret it, but uh, it's definitely the na- naivety of being 23 and yeah. pitching that to your 36-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty self-aware of you. Yeah. All that. Uh, cool. Well, Vox Kombucha, um, Eva Vanderberg, thank you so much. Ryan Wiles, thank you. Ryan, I'll, ha- I'll have you back in studio. We'll get to know you and, and, and get your backstory and everything. Perfect. So uh, look for Vox Kombucha, everybody, from, uh, from, well, from Gatineau through the Gatineau Hills at your local grocery store. Look for it. Support them. And do you guys have a website or anything? We do. VoxKombucha.com. VoxKombucha.com. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you doing the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us tonight. Thank you. And watch your head. It's such a beautiful waste of time A waste of time A beautiful waste of time And there it is, another one in the books. Thanks to my guest Eva Vanderberg and Ryan Wiles. I'll have Ryan in for a full-on one-on-one interview. Thanks for stopping by, team. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Always, you appreciate you. Go to uh, something something dot something slash something for more on something. 
You know it by now Facebook.com Slash JD Comedy Hour uh, Instagram and Twitter At JD Comedy And you are the best Thank you so much I love you You do you And as always Aw As always Watch your head Wandering eyes And itching feet I'm just a thin Nervous shadow Walking backwards Down a street The landing's bitter But the fallen Is oh so Just a thin nervous